One author has described fasting in this way. I fasted on several occasions and nothing happened. I just got hungry. Several years ago, I heard a couple of pastors discussing fasting. On their recommendation, I tried my uh, very first fast. After putting it off for a number of days, I mustered up enough courage to start. I couldn't go to breakfast table with my family because I didn't think I would have enough willpower to abstain from eating, so I went to work. The coffee break was almost unbearable, and I told a little white lie about why I didn't go with the group. All I could do was think about how hungry I was. I said to myself, if I ever get through this day, I will never try this again. The afternoon was even worse. I tried to concentrate on my work, but I couldn't even bear because my stomach was growling so much. My wife prepared a meal for herself and our child, and the aroma of the food was almost unbearable. I figured that if I could make it till midnight, I will have fasted all day. I did. But immediately after striking the hour of 12, I dug into the food. I don't think that fasting helped me one bit. Well, friends, this is so true of so many of us, perhaps, if you've ever tried fasting. uh, We make it perhaps till noon and we wonder what has gone wrong or or perhaps what we're doing. What was wrong with this man's story, which is so often our story, is that this man fasted without purpose. For him, all he could think about was how hungry he was. He didn't know why he was hungry. He didn't know why he had gone without food. He was just told that it was something he was supposed to do like praying or giving or attended church. It was just a to-do, something, a box to check off in his spiritual life. He did not know the why. He thought that he was just going without food for a day. He thought that biblical fasting was just sacrificing something and making his life uncomfortable. But biblical fasting, as we'll see this morning, is purposeful. It has an aim. It has a reason. And that aim is what we'll think about to get today. Why do we fast? So this morning, as you're thinking about fasting, as you think about maybe perhaps a topic that you've never considered, something you've never done, good. Because you're kind of a blank slate this morning, and you can allow God's word to kind of inform what fasting is, and to think and pray about how you can take on this spiritual discipline in your life. Now, as a reminder, Jesus has been teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount uh, concerning outward righteousness. The scribes and Pharisees were known for an external-only righteousness. Their lives were empty on the inside. All they cared about was themselves. They cared about what others thought about them. Their their audience was not God, but man. And so Jesus here through chapter beginning in chapter 6 has been addressing really the three pinnacle virtues of a Jewish um, in the first century, which would have been giving or almsgiving, praying, and then here today fasting. And Jesus is addressing this sort of outward righteousness and calling his disciples and us 
to the exceeding righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. So I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to consider this morning verses 16 through 18. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus here is speaking. He, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they transfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by others, may not be seen by others rather, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. Jesus here is exhorting us as Christians that we will regularly engage in a season of fasting, not to display our own piety, but for the glory of God. So really our purpose of our time this morning is for us to encourage, really to think about, to encourage us to consider this often outward nature of our personal spiritual disciplines. How often you and I might be tempted to put on Heirs, we might display ourselves to think that we are more righteous than we are not. So as we begin this morning, I want to think about a couple things. First, what is fasting? For the most evangelical Christians, fasting is not a part of the disciplines that you probably grew up learning and even implementing in your life. Brian Croft defines fasting as the withholding of food for a certain amount of time for the sake of creating a more uh, a more disciplined and earnest attitude of prayer. Now, I'm sure you've heard of fasting before, but fasting is going without food. But it's not merely going without food. It's going without food for the sake of, for the purpose of creating a more disciplined and earnest attitude of prayers. He writes there. Uh, you will use in fasting, and maybe you've never thought of fasting this way. Fasting is going without food. What happens when you go without food? Well, you get hungry. Your, your belly begins to growl. You, you get a little cranky, a little crabby, right? Uh, you, you desire to have food. And, and fasting is using, listen now, your body's natural instinct for food as a prompt to pray. It's using your, your body's desire for food as a reminder to pray for whatever it is you're fasting for. So if you're fasting to know, to make a particular decision, you've got a big decision to make and, and you want to you wanna be intentional uh, in, in your prayer time. Or perhaps this morning you, you, uh, you feel that you've kind of fallen away from the Lord. You don't feel as close to the Lord and so you want to grow. And so Every time your stomach growls, it's a reminder to go to the Lord and pray. Perhaps even using meal times as a time to pray. And, and it's just a reminder as we jump into this. I, I just had a little warning sign here. Now, some of us, we can't fast because of medical reasons and so forth. So, so don't think that Jesus is calling you to some sort of uh, silly faith here that uh, doesn't take into account medical needs, right? If you're a diabetic and you fast from food... Uh, you will die, right? Amen. That's what's going to happen. And so, um, of course, anytime we want to fast, we want to think about the medical implica implications of that and maybe even consulting a doctor. 
Um, But fasting can also be done without food. Perhaps fasting from social media. uh, Fasting from certain kinds of food. Intentionally removing something from your life for a season of prayer. Every time you're tempted to pick up your phone and look at Facebook, you spend some time in prayer. Every time you're tempted to go to the refrigerator and get that nice chocolate cake that you know that's in there, you, you say, no, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Um, and, uh, and so the, the using your body's natural instinct to remind you. See, God created us with such desires and such instincts, and we're using them to know him. Now, again, uh, just to reiterate, why would one choose to fast? One would choose to fast in order to know God better. Perhaps to, to uh, as I said, have a decision that needs to be made or, or because of a need for repentance and so forth. And this morning, as you think about it, have you ever considered fasting? Is it something that you've ever thought, of, thought about t- today? I want you to notice here in the text that Jesus assumes that his disciples will fast. Look here at verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, and when you fast. And again, verse 17, and when you fast. These two phrases are very similar to the ones that he spoke about with giving and praying. Look at verse 2. And when you give to the needy. Now, no one questions Jesus' exhortation to give. No one is here this morning saying that Christians don't give. Or, for example, in verse 5. And when you pray, no Christian in their right mind would say that we don't pray, right? We instinctively pray. We know that as Christians, we have a responsibility to pray. Well, Jesus makes no qualifiers here. He doesn't change the theme. He uses the exact same phrase. He says, and when you fast. Brothers and sisters, it is assumed that the Christian will regularly fast. That we will have seasons in our lives where we will fast. And, and I wonder, have you ever fasted as a Christian? Have you ever taken one day or a week or a month or, or a season where you have intentionally set aside time and disciplined yourself in order to grow in the Lord? When you fast, he says. Now, What about Old Testament saints and in the New Testament? Did they fast? Well, throughout the Old Testament, we see there's numerous kinds of fasting. Old Testament saints love to fast. The the most famous one would, of course, been Moses, who fasted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, to be clear, this is a miraculous fast, all right? Because man cannot live without water, all right? So he was miraculously sustained by the Lord For 40 days and 40 nights, Moses fasted. The Israelites often fasted. They put on sackcloth and ashes and fasted in seasons of remorse and repentance. We heard in Isaiah 58 where the nation of Israel had fasted wrongly. What they were doing was just going through the motions. They thought that if they just checked off the spiritual boxes that if they just did some spiritual things, that God would be impressed by them and that he would answer their prayers. For them, they saw God like a genie. If you rubbed him the right way, he would answer your prayers. Perhaps that's your view of God this morning. Or perhaps Daniel and his three friends fasted from the delicacies of the king 
They ate only vegetables. They, they put away the wine and the choice meats for a season in order to give themselves intentionally to the Lord. In the New Testament, we see saints fasting. Of course, Jesus himself, the new Moses, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness as a, as a sign to the nation of Israel that the new Moses has come. In the book of Acts, in the early church, we see seasons where the early church would fast during trial or in order to seek the will. Or the Apostle Paul telling us that he would regularly go without food in order to spend time with God in prayer. In short, we see that fasting is a normative part of the Christian life. Now, that doesn't mean that we fast every week. So I'm not here this morning advocating John Wesley's view. So Wesley viewed that, that in order to ordain a man to ministry, he had to fast every Wednesday and Friday. And, and if he didn't, he wouldn't ordain him to ministry. Um, that's nowhere found in the New Testament. But the, the point here this morning is that it is to be normative. When you fast, Jesus says. But fasting isn't merely going without food. And so we want to drive home a particular point this morning, and that is that fasting is with purpose. Without purpose, all fasting becomes is another weight loss program. So this morning, if, you, if your goal is just to lose weight, praise God for that. We all could lose some weight, right? But the goal in fasting is, as we'll see in the text here this morning, with a purpose. We see first here that, that fasting is for the glory of God. Secondly, we see that fasting is for intimacy with God. To grow close to God. To know the one true and living God. And thirdly, we see that fasting is for an eternal reward. Jesus makes a promise in this passage. Did you see that promise he made to you? If you fast, you will be rewarded by your heavenly father. Well, let's look at these three points this morning. Look at verse 16. Jesus here is confronting the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Again, that word hypocrite is that play actor. Someone who would wear different masks on their face and, and they would look differently and and Jesus here calls the Pharisees and the scribes hypocrites. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. The word there disfigures means transform or to change. In other words, they did it in order to be seen by others. Here's what it was. Literally what Jesus is saying is that the actor on the stage didn't want to be known for the part that he was playing, right? But for himself. And this is true of actors today. Actors, right? We talk about typecasting, where an actor is typecast in a certain... Actors hate being typecasted, right? They want to be known for themselves and not the parts that they play. And Jesus is saying that these Pharisees and scribes wanted to be known themselves, not for the parts they played. They wanted people to glory in them and not in God. They ultimately sought to, to, to receive the glory that was due God and God alone. And Jesus says that those who fast in such a way, 
They fast that they may be seen by others. Again, that's the, that's the purpose statement there. There at the end of verse 16. That their fasting may be seen by others. There was a purpose. They wanted to be seen. They made themselves look like they had been fasting. And friends, if you go without food for a number of time, it looks like you've gone without food, doesn't it? You look miserable. Maybe you're a little cranky or something. And they would intentionally um, maybe leave the sackcloth and ashes, right? They'd put ash on their, on their foreheads, on their bodies. They'd leave it on there. They wouldn't wash it off. So it was evident that they had been fasting. It was evident. They made a show. Oh, I'm, not, I'm fasting. I can't eat this meal today. It was all about them. The object of their fasting was the praise of men. Just as their giving had been and their prayers had been, so their fasting had been turned into a means for self-glory rather than God's glory. And Jesus here, by, by, by putting it to us in the negative, is affirming that fasting is to be done not for the glory of man, but for the glory of the one true and living God. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, So whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink or whatever, do all to the glory of God. Do all things, he says. All acts, whether they be sacred or secular, all acts are to be done for the glory of God. In this particular case, fasting. In other words, fasting isn't even for you. It is for God. If, if your aim in prayer or in giving is about you, I mean, how often do we do this with giving? Right? We give in order to receive, right? We give with the motivation that, okay, if I give, God's going to like somehow answer prayers this week. You know, magically God's going to love, right? Because I read my Bible today, God is, is going to hear my prayers. Because I've been nice to my wife this week and I haven't acted like a fool, God's going to somehow be impressed with me. And, and so with fasting, we might think, oh, wow, I'm some spiritual, you know, great Superman because I fast twice a day. No, brothers and sisters, fasting isn't even for ourselves, but the aim and purpose in our mind is for the glory of God. Let us do it not for vainglory of men, not, not to impress men. As I've argued all along, as I'll argue in a moment, in or, when we do this, we exchange the great reward that God will give us in heaven. And so let us guard our hearts from the temptation to rob God of his glory. Let us not stand before God in judgment. For all the times that we have robbed him of his glory. But let us glorify God in our fasting. Secondly, we see here in verse 17 that we are to fast for intimacy with God. Notice what he says here. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. Again, he has he, he gives some just some general instructions. He, sa he says, go about your normal hygienic routine. You know, wash yourself up, clean yourself up um, so that people don't automatically notice that you have been fasting. When I was a young, 
young man, I, I, one of my first jobs I ever had, I worked at this uh, little ice cream shop, and I worked in the back in the uh, kitchen cleaning dishes. And I remember that my first shift, I, shift we wore little uh, uh, aprons, little white aprons. Everybody wore white. Imagine in an ice cream, you know, there's, that's yucky, right? But everything was white. Everything was pristine. We cleaned everything, right? And, and so I'm doing dishes, and I thought, you know, I'm going to make the boss look like I'm really doing a good job. You know, I was wiping hot fudge and caramel all over me. You know, I was, man, my apron was covered. I, I was like, man, I have really been working hard, man. I'm sweating. And I, and I was impressed with myself. And I thought my boss would be impressed as well, but he wasn't impressed. He came to me, and, and, and he said, what are you doing? You, you look terrible. You look, you look pitiful. He says, take that apron off and put a clean apron on. I want you to look clean at all times. That was kind of his, his, his mantra. And, and so often, you and I, we can, we can rub around and make ourselves look righteous when God really knows what we look like and what he cares to see. Look at the promise that he gives you into this passage. When you fast in secret, who sees you? Not others but by your Father who is in secret. Friends, the purpose of fasting is to, is to have intimacy with God. I mean, you think about what we're exchanging whenever we seek to, to do righteous things so that we can impress others. Do you understand how silly we look when we try to get the praises of men rather than the praises of the eternal God? The one who created the cosmos. That's why we began with Psalm 33. The God who by a very word spoke the cosmos into existence. Who would you rather to be intimate with? The God who can speak things into existence or your neighbor who is living a life of sin? Which is it that you care most about? Why do we care about what people think about us so much when we have a loving Father in heaven who sees us and knows us? He is not far from us this morning, brothers and sisters. He is an all-knowing, all-seeing God. Isn't there an encouragement to know this morning that God sees? He sees you, brother, the world may not see you. Your pastors may not see you. No one maybe, maybe ever patted you on the back or gave you some award. No one ever called you up on some big stage. No one, no one will ever know your name. You've never written a book. You don't have some award hanging somewhere that generations will pass. No, no statue to your legacy But look what he says. Your father, who is in secret, he sees you. He sees you. That is worth more than any statue or any book or any memory. The eternal God knows you this morning. And, and notice what he says. He's your father. He's your father. He's not their father. He is our father. But he's your father. 
He's yours. There is a sense of intimacy that we gain when we go to God in fasting. There is a spiritual act that happens when we, when we lay aside the hungers of this world. When we say our appetites will not be filled with the things of this world, but with God alone. Now to be clear, food is not wrong. God gave us food to worship him. Food is good, all right? All things are good, right? But food can be an idol. It can be an idol in our hearts. And, and, and in the comfortability of our lives here in this culture, we, we just, we're so comfortable. We don't go without. But laying aside for the sake of knowing God, our aim is to be that of the Apostle Paul's in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. As he writes, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Friends, do you want to know God better? Do you want to grow in, in your knowledge of God? Do you want to grow in a relationship? Have you found your spiritual walk with the Lord to grow stale, maybe even stagnant? Friends, consider fasting as a means that God has given his church in order to know him more intimately, to know him better. Without purpose, fasting is nothing more than a relentless weight loss program that never ends. But let us fast for greater intimacy through prayer with God. Finally, here we see this final purpose here in verse 18 that we are to fast for an eternal reward that your fasting he says may not be done in secret or may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret last sentence and your father who sees in secret will reward you jesus here says that if you fast in secret if you pursue righteousness for God's glory to know him better, you will be rewarded. Now, I know we get a little nervous and queasy around promises because they're taken out of context. But Jesus says you will be rewarded. Jesus promises that if we work towards an eternal reward and not the temporal praises of men, that God will reward us. That doesn't mean that, that you'll be rewarded today. That doesn't mean you'll be rewarded tomorrow. But there is an eternal reward that you and I want to strive towards. And throughout this section, Jesus has continually exhorted us to work for the eternal rather than the temporal. In the subsequent section here, following verse 18, Jesus will begin a new section where he begins to lay in to this eternal. He begins to draw the disciples' eyes upward and remind them, where are you working? What are you working for? Are you working for an eternal or temporal? In other words, what we do today matters for that day. Brothers and sisters, do you work with such a, a mindset? Do you, do you live with such a mindset that you will be rewarded? Jesus makes you a promise here this morning. You can cash in on this promise. You can take this to the bank and it will pay out every single time. When you fast, you will be 
rewarded. And so our aim is for the praises of God and not of men. Why would we exchange the praise of an eternal God? Why would we exchange a reward that will never fade, that will never be destroyed, where thieves will not break in and steal? Why would we exchange that for something that's temporary and fleeting? Brothers and sisters, we want to fight against this temptation. We want to see that we will be guaranteed an eternal reward when we seek to know God through these means. Cornelius Plantica, the brother of the well-known American philosopher Alvin Plantica, he once wrote this, that self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. And self-discipline, usually its friend and generator. That is why gluttony is such a deadly sin, he writes. The early desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. You see, friends, when you have your fill of this world, you have nothing left. Your stomach's full. You have nothing to fill with God. And let us then be those who have their fill of the Lord and not this world. Let us feast upon Christ and His delicacies by regularly engaging in a season of fasting where we set aside the treasures of this world in order to gain an eternal world. Let us display our piety not on our shirt sleeves, not on our faces, but before a God who sees and knows all. Let us fast for the glory of God. Let us fast for intimacy with God, to know God better. And let us fast for that unfading, imperishable reward in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our eternal reward that we have in Christ. That will pale in comparison to, to these trinkets we have gathered here on earth. Help us to develop a, a spirit and a hunger to know you better. I pray that, that we might take on the, these new means of fasting in order to know you. Let this be in our array of activity each day and each week in our lives until you call us home for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.